Good manners can't be put on for special occasions only. That's the button. Alright, now we're on. We're live. <clears throat> Getting more comfortable with this. Are you? I am. First time was really weird. It, the, the startup's always the weirdest part. Not anymore. I'm ready to go. I'm so ready going, for action. We're going over Russell Brand's recovery. What's the rest? I can't remember. Uh, recovery, freedom from our addictions. All right, where do you want to start? What's your addiction? How do you want to start? No, I'm joking. I, I actually, I, I, well, let's review that because <laughs> I've had this book, I think since it came out. I had the audio of it. And I started it and... I didn't get very far because I really thought because it broke, got into right away how it was a, got into the uh, the concept of AA. Okay. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't think I could relate, so I kind of set the book aside and never went any deeper than that. Mm-hmm. Getting into the book, I realized quickly that it's not all about an actual alcohol addiction or or heroin addiction. It's about a lot of different things, and even things I think you it helped me with things that I don't even register as addictions. Yeah. I agree. I actually read it last year and then reread it now. And uh, I looked at it more from the lens of what things do I do in my life that I don't really give a lot of thought to. Almost compulsive things. Nothing, again, not like alcohol or drug related. Just do I check my phone in line when I'm somewhere? Like, what am I doing compulsively that I'm not thinking about? How do I manage my stress in ways that I'm, you know, are they productive? How do I manage my downtime? Is it productive? Mm. Um, And I think, you know, the premise of the book is applying the 12-step AA process to anything in your life that you want to improve upon. Like what part of, so do you have a series of questions you want to go in order? (laughs) No, let's just go for a minute and then we can. Like what part of the book did you go, all right, now I know why I'm reading this book? Early on, he talks about bringing structure to your life, and I think he used the structure to get through addiction, but I think just the general idea of having a structured way of thinking and a structured way of dealing with whatever stressors, anxiety, depression, that probably just normal people deal with on a day-to-day basis, and um, just that idea of having a structured way of thinking, a structured way of dealing with problems, mm-hmm. is where I knew, like, okay, this, you know, this will have some value. How about you? Yeah, same, and I think awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, I think how he started off at some point. I feel like he set it off through the book, but are you fucked, and do you want to be unfucked? Mm-hmm. And although I can say I don't, you know, I don't have a heroin addiction, I don't have an alcohol addiction, like. That question of are you fucked made me, like, yeah, there is a lot in my head where, you know, depressive thoughts take mm-hmm. over. Like, and it made me wonder, like, do I struggle with depression or do I struggle with battling off depressive thoughts that take me into depression? Mm-hmm. Like, that in itself. That, yeah. like, and then I was like, and then I started, like, I think one that I was actually out shoveling the drive, listened to it, and I was like, do I have an addiction to darkness? Mm-hmm. And, like, it, do I love, like, that element of the brain that, like, takes over from time to time? Mm-hmm. And it really made me dive into, like, why I have the thoughts I have and, and let myself get in the zones I get into Yeah, that adjust my mindset. Have you heard of the concept of, like, you're not your thoughts, you're the observer of your thoughts? No, but it may, I like it. Okay, and that, like, that's what this made me think of a lot was, uh, you know, how do you step back from whatever it is that you're thinking about that might give you anxiety if you're thinking about something in the future and realize, like, I'm not I'm not an anxious person. I'm thinking about something that's causing me anxiety, and I'm observing that. And I think it gives you that <clears throat> separation from the thoughts mm-hmm. and the feelings and realize, like, I'm not those thoughts and the feelings. And for me, the next step is then you get to choose your feel- thoughts. You know, just because you're thinking something doesn't mean you have to continue going down that path. Do you use that? All the time. I, th- I don't think I did really until this, yeah. this book. And then not even, in, I think accidentally. Yeah. I was just being more aware of 
the thoughts I was having, why I was, and separating. Yeah. Like, I didn't have any, and separating is something that I think about a lot, but just not with my own yeah. actual emotions in, a, in the dark ones. Yeah. Like, those, like, that, like, I have, and you know this, probably more than anyone, I have an attachment to dark emotions. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, like, this book helped me put some of that into into light. Okay. No pun intended. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I actually maybe am the opposite where I avoid them. Um, but I also avoid it because I ask the question, like, how does this serve me? And usually it, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of a, a thought I use a lot that this bro- book you mentioned, like, just bringing awareness mm-hmm. to how you're thinking. And that's something that I've started doing a while back. Is how, you know, if a thought doesn't serve me, if it doesn't make my life better, if it's making me depressed, if it's making me anxious, like, why would I continue to, to dwell on it? Which is hard with thoughts. Like, does that, that the, you know, does it serve me? It's easy for us to look at a hamburger, mm-hmm. uh, a workout routine. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, all that stuff, that this is going to help me, this is going to hurt me. And it's easy to, like, guess, no, check the box that's appropriate for that particular thing. Yeah. But thoughts, and I think even in that uh, Ed Milet video you sent me, mm-hmm. talked about, like, 99,000 thoughts a day or some crazy number like that. Mm-hmm. More than that, I forget what it was. And how many of them are just repetitive yeah. from the day before, from the day before. It's like, yep. so they just, these things, thoughts and emotions bounce in and out. Yeah. So many of them are on autoplay. Yeah. And it's work, like actual work. And you need like quiet time. Like it's really, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you need to be able to put in the work to separate yeah. the thoughts from the emotions, reality from imagination and the whole thing. Yeah. Well, and that's where it's all like. You create your own reality with your thoughts, and I think when people really struggle with something, when they get in that negative loop, they're creating a negative Mm -hmm. reality. Um, Somebody asked me the other day, you know, what's the best thing I've done for myself in the last 12 months? And my answer, and I was super excited when it popped in my head, was just learning to be present. Mm Because once I'm pretty consistently present in the moment, you know, everything's usually okay in the moment, right? That's a good question, too. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Smart guy. Yeah. What's the best thing you've done in the last 12 months for yourself? I don't know. I have to, like... I think a recommitment to myself. Yeah. For a lot of years, it was, like, commitment to everyone else. Commitment to, like, I was back burner. Yeah, yeah. In the last 12... Probably 12 to 18 months that it's been... I wouldn't say I'm putting myself first, but I'm at least in the top five now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I think there's a lot like of stereotype of putting yourself first as far as being, I don't know, self-centered or whatnot. But if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's selfish to generally take care of yourself. You should be in your top five because if you're number ten on your list, you know the other nine people ahead of you, you can't take care of for very long. Yeah. So. Yeah. What else? What else did you think? Like just first impression of the writing style and whatnot. It's well, yeah. I did the audio. Okay. And okay. I, uh, I always like Russell Brand. And okay. The audio is funny. I mean, he reads it how he talks. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. There were times where I had to look down and I thought my player was on like one and a half speed because <laughs> he's just a freaking machine gun okay. with the words. And it was like it was entertaining as hell. Like there were parts where I was like laughing. Like I would rewind it. Like, what did he just like just the way he said a thing, like with the accent and the words. He, yeah. That's why I think I texted you one day like, mom. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. It, did he write, does he write <laughs> mom or is it like does he write mom and the accent says mom? Yeah, yeah. No, he's funny and uh, my mom actually started reading or listening to this with us and uh, there's enough offensive language and subject matter that I think she stopped. She got it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she got out of there. Yeah. So um, I don't blame her. It's, you know, it, it's it's funny and the anecdotal stories that he just weaves in mm-hmm. really do a good job to highlight his thought process. I thought it was kind of funny though. There was a few times where he's, he just goes into a story and it's like, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like it's not... It's just woven in with the book kind of seamlessly. He goes from kind of giving you a lesson to just into story mode. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I actually almost got lost a few times thinking, like, what, you know, what's going on here? Yeah, he can do more. Like, yeah. I really, I, every, like, I never was bored with it. Yeah. Have you read any of his other books? I know he has a couple. Oh, no. I didn't, yeah. I didn't actually even look it up. I think he had two before this, and I think he has another one um, on its way. 
So I'm excited for the with the previous. Are they on the same path? I no. I think one's a, a biography, and I'm not sure, quite frankly, what the mm, other one is. It'll be entertaining. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, I'm going to go through here. You know, I, I always have a few quotes from the books, and um, I think the first one that got me. And you said, you know, when when in the book did you realize like it's this is something for you? And the quote was. Um, obstacles, inner and outer, that have prevented you from becoming the person you were meant to be or capable of being, um, and that's what we're going to recover. And I know for me, a lot of my life now is dedicated to, like, you know, I am the project. Who am I capable of becoming? Mm. And I don't think it's so much a meant to be. It's like you get to drive the boat. You know, you get to pick and choose who you, you want to be. Can you read that again? Yeah. Um, in your life, you faced obstacles, inner and outer that have prevented you from becoming the person you were meant to be or capable of being, mm -hmm. and that's what we're going to recover. I think there are a lot of books that, this is another reason I like this book, I think there are a lot of books that write that in a variety of ways, mm -hmm. that same thing, but they're like, in my experience, they're just fluffy, feel good, yeah, no plan. Like this thing I felt, because of the structure he used, had a plan. Yeah. start doing some digging. Well, I like that he talked about quickly after, you know, here's a super, you know, again, we, last time it was Matthew McConaughey, but, you know, here's another super successful financially mm -hmm. independent guy. And he quickly says, and this is common that you hear, you know, you think all of these things are going to get you what you want. And anything external to yourself really isn't going to lead you to any sort of happiness or lack of anxiety. You know, you hear all the time people that are, you know, wealthy still struggle with anxiety, still struggle with depression. It's not, it doesn't bring you happiness. Um, and maybe with the free time that some of them have, it's just more time for the <clears throat> mind to wander. Oh. And, uh, yeah. you know. With un basically unlimited time and unlimited money. Yeah. Yeah. Because he says, are unlimited. Yeah. I mean, he flat out says, you know, he thought he'd get enough fame, get enough money, he'd be all right. And, um, I've heard the concept that getting enough of all those things, it just amplifies or puts a magnifying glass on who you are, good and bad. Mm -hmm. You know, the more money, the more mm -hmm. fame, it just more highlights who you are. If you're, you know, a greedy person, having hundreds of millions of dollars isn't going to make you less greedy. It's just right. going to highlight, like, oh, this person has so much, they could give so much, and they don't. It just highlights it. So That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one thing that uh, stuck out to me and I've used more than anything else from the book so far, because it just, I've never heard it explained the way he explained it, and it's the phrase, get over yourself. Mm -hmm. Remember that part of the book? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've heard people say it a lot. <laughs> Not to me, but just say, say it a lot. And I was always like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't think anyone's using the term right. Like, it just, I never understood it. Yeah. And when he broke it down in here... It seems so obvious. I don't know if the phrase was obvious to everyone else. You know that you're you're not the center of the universe. Not every decision going on revolves around you. Mm -hmm. Not everything is to be taken personally. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. And like kind of the way he went on and on with it, I was like, it was again, it was a way to detach mm -hmm. from the emotion of or an attachment to a conversation and or an engagement. Something as simple as someone at a at a checkout that. You know, you might have interpreted it as being rude. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe, you know, like, what's the big deal? You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. there's so many angles yeah. to play with that phrase. And I, I was talking to someone yesterday who's having uh, some family conflict um, that it, it fit. You know, it had nothing to do with this person. It had to do with uh, another family member and the relationship they're having. I was yeah. like, what are you, like, why are you so bad about it? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it was really affecting this person's life. And I was yeah. Like, I go, you should check this book out. And I kind of yeah. talk, I sold the book a little bit and talked about the phrase and how it, I, I told the story, I just told how it didn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And how it does, here's why. They're like, you know, you know maybe I'll, like, well, maybe they'll listen to this, get something out of it. Yeah, maybe. Um, I When I hear the get over yourself thing, I think that's extremely freeing to realize that, like, you know, we're really not that important and that's a, a good thing. I think it's, uh, people put so much stress on themselves thinking that, everything they do is so important and it's, it's you know, mm -hmm. big picture. Mm -hmm. We're here for an extremely, extremely short amount of time. And, uh, you know, you want to have a, a positive impact, but as far as eternity and whatnot is concerned, our, you know, 80 years is a blink of an eye. Yeah. And uh, 
to realize that none of it's that important, I think, can let you step back and laugh a little bit more. Get perspective. Yeah. Like, it really, like, cleans the window a little bit and lets you see things for what they are. Like, you just, like you said, the 80 years or whatever it is, like, don't torture yourself. Yeah. Like, get out of your head with the past. Yeah. And... I mean, read the book. It's called Recovery. Like, it, and what the quote you read from the book, like that, really does fit it. Because how many people do you think you know or think you see based on social media? And you know, we have limited engagements, like with mm-hmm. real people, how we engage. Mm-hmm. Those don't happen daily, right? Let alone often at all. Yeah. So you can imagine there are people out there because of what they put out there on social media that they're living a life, but they're not complete. I mean, in my experience, I don't want to just be vague and say social media. Yeah. You know, being a trainer for um, 10, 15 years, however long it was, um, a lot of conversations went down in the gyms. Yeah. It was as much psychiatry as it was, you know, physical fitness. And uh, more than half the people, greatly more than half the people, um, were hanging on to drama. Yeah. Hanging on to shit from their childhood. Yeah. From the relationship with their parents. Yeah. Um, that that I saw metabolized in the relationship with their spouse mm-hmm. or their friends or their kids or whatever I mean like so it's like yeah. it was very easy to learn that and see that with those conversations um, yeah and in a way it's it's a common thread you know that a lot of people do share so like you want to say like uh, everyone goes through that mm-hmm. but then the flip side is how many people are putting in the work to get out of that? Yeah. Like, that's always what it was about. Yeah. Well, I can say myself, I spent a good, you know, first 20 years of my adult life basically replaying my childhood in my relationships. And, uh, you, you know, something happens and it wakes you up and you realize I can just keep doing what feels bad but comfortable. I think a lot of times, you know, we have <clears throat> unhealthy relationships or just engage in unhealthy behaviors because even though it feels bad, it feels familiar. Mm-hmm. And people, feels like home. yeah, people don't like the unknown, and uh, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. hard to like break out of those things, and you really need to um, take a hard look at yourself and your your background and your history, and just see how it's playing out in your current life and seeing if you want to continue down that path. And it's hard for people to separate themselves from that. Mm-hmm. They think, this is just me. This is who I am. This is how I do things. This is just my attitude. This mm-hmm. is, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I'm looking at it from a negative light because usually yeah, it's, yeah. it is negative. Yeah. Not many people, re- I mean, no one resents holding on and becoming a good person. Right, right. It's yeah. always the other way. But people holding on to that like it's their badge. Yeah. Or their, this is just how I am. You know what I mean? I kind of said in the beginning, like, yeah. the darkness, like, I just always felt I just had. Yeah. It was part of my character. Yeah, like I just yeah. Kinda always have an eye on death, always have an eye on the end, always have it. You know what I mean? And it's, I've seen that metabolize in relationships that I, I've written about it before and I've told you about it, that someone actually did point out to me um, five, six years ago. Remember the suicide story I told mm-hmm. you? So it was like, I've seen those things. <laughs> Is it dumb to reference it and not tell the story? No, I, I mean it's up to you. <laughs> I, don't, I just don't want to get too far off track. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, but I was, uh, it, I guess it fits. Um, I was having a conversation with a random guy. It doesn't matter who he is. It was just the dude we're meeting to uh, get some business working together. And I was just telling him a handful of stories of things that I've done and, and you know, job to job or whatever it was and situations. And he noticed something in my storytelling where he stopped me and he said, "How long have you been suicidal?" And I remember the conversation went, like, froze. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Like, why would he ask me that? What did I just say? I remember <laughs> thinking, like, yeah. it was me, him, and his assistant. She was sitting on the couch next to me. I looked at her, like, what the fuck? Does he say this to everybody? Like, <laughs> yeah, it really freaked me out because he was accurate. And I was like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Kind of, we dove down that path. And, and then me saying that, like, it's it was easy for then me to see where I've killed myself in situations. Mm-hmm. Um so I think people have that. Uh, I think since that moment, I've mm. paid more attention to other people's common kind of repeat modes that they go into, mm-hmm. and how it's the same story in different atmospheres. Yeah, 
you know, people that I'm, I've been closer to and clients I've known for the years, like I see them replaying the same story. Yeah. And atmosphere A, B, and C. Yeah. And I went, oh, that's the same. He saw that in me. Now I'm able to see that there. Like, yeah, yeah. But I don't know without that conversation. I mean, I was I was 38, 37. When, yeah. I went 37 years without ever knowing. Yeah, me too. That skill set yep. is so plainly obvious. And it's like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah, yeah. You said a lot, so I'm just pausing because <laughs> in a good way. Like I, wrote, I, even, I even wrote some things down. How do you think you let go of the past? Because I have my thoughts on that. Something I've been, it's, it's been in my head a lot recently. Certain chapters are easier than others. Okay. Um, I won't say it's a let go thing, but it is about putting things in the proper place on the shelf. Yeah. I think for me it's just coming to peace with it. And like you said, different areas require different strategies to do that. But... Um, I think when it comes to like childhood-related trauma or anything that we go through, um, a lot of it is just you know forgiveness and even forgiving yourself. You know, I, I, I hmm. personally felt like I needed to forgive myself. For you don't know what you don't know, and you can't beat yourself up when you're 45 for what you didn't know when you were 25. Um, and I think there's also a, a part of it that, like, as an adult, for me. I almost mentally, emotionally apologize to my childhood self for not being able to take care of myself. It's hard. Yeah. But it was super freeing, and kind of once I went through that process of almost apologizing to myself, then I felt really free from all of it. Then I was able to really let it go. It's funny you say that. Apologize to yourself. Yeah. You really did it. Yeah. You literally apologize to your you know, inner 8, 10, 12-year-old self. Yeah, that's heavy. It seemed to be like a weight came off my shoulders after that and really was able to just step away from all of it, leave a lot of the past in the past in a good way, not in a dismissive way, but mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. just a, a, an acceptance kind of thing. Yeah. So, Yeah. I had heard, you know, speaking of the addiction thing, and you had said something about all the, you know, meeting with clients in the gym and whatnot, and they talk, you know, I've heard before that the root cause of addiction is a lack of connection. Mm. And I know, like myself, I'm constantly seeking out, you know, connections like you and I have, like connections with people that I can have real conversations with um, because I enjoy them so much. It so, like, you know, makes my life full, and I think all the time, like, man, I'm so grateful that almost everybody I spend time with, like, I get so much out of it, mm. you know, and that just came up in my mind because I don't <clears throat> feel like I have any addiction things I struggle with, but I, I think I'm deeply, deeply connected with a lot of people in a way that, like, probably prevents me from, from having to pursue other things. So, Is that theory or fact? I've heard it floated probably as theory. I've heard it mentioned know, several different places. I think it was like a broadly common like yeah. psychiatric as assessment. I, I can't remember the two or three places I've heard it. Um, Not that I want to shoot. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm just trying to think back. It's uh, yeah, I heard it, one, in related to something they were doing. In, I can't remember which country where they were getting people off of heroin by essentially like legalizing it, giving it to them in a medical facility, mm. and then also getting them reengaged with the community and helping them get jobs um, you know, and the idea was like people do those behaviors typically alone or in small groups. Can you boil it down to happiness and that people aren't happy if they don't have connection? You know what I mean? Like human connection. I mean, yeah. Look at what happened in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could argue that that was part of yeah the 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 the, the stew that we were all living in of. The huge mental health crisis to some extent. All yeah, the kids. Just, yeah, yeah. I don't know what comes first with the happiness and connections. It's like the chicken and the egg. You don't, you know, do people not have connections and it makes them unhappy, or are they unhappy so they don't seek out connection? I don't know. I think I think it, I think it is something there. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Just, you you said a mouthful, so I was writing <laughs> things down because it had me thinking. I was trying to pay attention and also. Let's rip through your highlights. Collect some thoughts. What's that? Let's rip through your highlights. All right, let's see here. Um, 
Let's also explain me and you. Okay. Because you are nerdy. And you really... <laughs> you like bringing the book and the highlighter and your notes. Yeah. And I like freeballing it. Yeah, yeah. So there it is. I appreciate that I've been labeled nerdy. Thank you. I prefer to think that it's organized and prepared. But... I'm not a slacker. <laughs> um, so, okay, I like in here that he talks about um, he'd never before acknowledged the role of fear in his life and that many of his behaviors were unwittingly governed by fear. Um, and I think to me that's so true in my life um, and something I really am, uh, bring awareness to in consciousness now when I'm making decisions is this a fear-based decision mm. and if it mm. is I'll actually lean towards doing the opposite of what I'm inclined to do because I've never made it a fear-based decision that turned out to be good damn but there's, there's a weird space especially when you're trying to make an analytical decision mm-hmm yeah. They're still, you know, like the leap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I Is there anything you can, like a story Specifically? Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> um, there's lots of things in my life that when I, you know, look at what's leading me down a path that's more avoiding the discomfort of something or... Um, and that's something I'll, you know, I do have some things specifically in mind, but something I'll probably, like, talk about another time. And I'm happy to record it, but just in a little bit of time. Um, but it's just recognizing that fear-based decisions usually move you away from what you really want out of life. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you just step into it, it's really either not that scary or you get the opportunity to grow into who you need to become to handle that situation. Were you braver when you were younger? Oh, no. Really? No. What would appear to be brave was either foolish or fear-based decisions that might have looked reckless. They weren't brave, though. I'm the opposite. Okay. I've gotten much more conservative as I've gotten older. Okay. Younger, I was much more willing to weep. Is it because you have more responsibility, or yeah. you know, father of three oh, people, yeah. your husband? Yeah, 100%, yeah, yeah. So you just have that. But the decisions aren't that wild. You know what I mean? It's still like like big fucking deal. Like it's yeah, like, like thinking of a side business. You know what I mean? Something like that. Like yeah, I really shouldn't be such a pussy about it. But I'm like, I gotta play it tight. So what prevents you from in the side business idea? No. Is it just financial? things that are the fear or is it like the lack of time you'd have for the family that's the fear or yeah, a little bit of all financial risk yeah, yeah. yeah. it's always going to be there yeah eventually the point's going to happen it's going to come but yeah there's still going to be some but to me like that I, I, what you said to me you got to jump through that that fire yeah it's like a ring of fire yeah and it's like you know what you don't know what's on the other side but you got to find out for sure and that's you know as we get older I think that's a Life is short, you know. It's uh, I do feel a little bit of hmm, urgency mm. to find out. Has that kicked in? Is it, yeah, older? yeah. I mean, I would much rather, to me, at this point, I would much rather fail at something than have not tried it. Yes. You know, statistically, I've got thirty-five years to go. I don't mind failing a couple of times because, in the end, nobody's going to remember. Nobody cares. And you know, I want to look back on my life and be like, yeah, at least you know, I tried. It's some really cool good. stuff along the way. Yeah. You know, what's the worst that happens if you fail at something? Right. You know, somebody talks about it for a week and <laughs> then you're on to the next thing. So, Piss for a month and that's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, one thing I'll, I'll backtrack on. Um, you know, you asked me about fear-based decision. I mentioned my daughter spending more time with me. You know, mm. she typically had been with me four days a week, and it looks like it's going to be. Uh, more than that going forward and the first morning that she woke up that she wouldn't have normally been with me <clears throat> she was like a different person and it was a little bit scary because I've spent the last seven years building this life that I love um, and seeing how much that first morning she seemed different made me realize um, I'm doing the right thing by letting her be with me more mm but also a little bit fearful of, like, holy crap, who do I need to become to, like, 
I can be a great dad four days a week. Can I be a great dad six or seven days a week? And what mm. do I? What am I giving up in my own life? And so that's one of those things. It's like the fear in me would say, like, oh no, you know, let's just keep the current schedule. Um, and I know that's a small thing, but that's something that quickly popped in my mind of you know mm. the last kind of moment I felt of fear was realizing like, oh, this 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 to her seems like the right thing. Mm. The reaction I'm getting seems like the right thing. And it was a little bit scary to realize like I'm, you know, the, the life is getting jostled around quite a bit, but it's the right thing. And who do I get to become to keep the life I love and do what's right by her? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's one thing, mm-hmm. a little off topic, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually, as you're saying that, you saying the off topic thing made me want to dive into this. We say a lot. We always have. And in these situations, like we want to stay somewhat on track with the book, mm-hmm. but everything we get into is like its own topic. Yeah, yeah. Even as you said about, it used to be referenced like the father seven days a week versus four days a week. Yeah. Like, even that I think is overlooked. And there's no, no, there's no one's fault. It's not a blame thing, but parents are probably currently guilty of it. Um, who you are for your kids seven days a week mm-hmm. matters. Yeah. So we talked at the beginning, I forget if this thing was even on yet, about putting yourself first. Mm-hmm. Like, or at least in the top five. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no way you can take care of your kid. Right. To the 100% capacity that you should, could, right. would kind of thing. Yeah. So just perspective, awareness, alignment, like there's a lot to juggle every day. Mm-hmm. And to think of how many parents are busting their ass working 40, 45, 50 hours a week, yeah, making whatever two jobs. they make, hustling the whole thing, single, together, whatever it might be. That's a shitload. And be 100% for yeah. these little mini humans that are staring at you for every single thing they need in life. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not fucking easy. And going back to what we were saying before of like, you know, getting over yourself and not being yeah. that important. Well, if there is any group of people that you are supremely important to, it's your kids. So it's like, yeah, get over yourself except for who you are as a parent because that's super mm-hmm. important. Yeah. You know, that's if you're going to leave a legacy of anything, it's going to be, you know, what you're able to teach and instill in them yeah. to yeah. hopefully empower them to have a good life. I was hanging with uh, my boss today. At the day job for a little bit, and for some reason he uh, we just tell old stories, and he was talking about his mentor, and he felt very, very quickly he felt guilty referring to a former colleague as a mentor. Mm-hmm. And right away he got back and he told me about the pros of his parents. My mom was this, my dad was this. He's like they were one and two, like, but this other guy, and it was like the fact he's sixty five years old, and the fact how fast how fast he flashed. Yeah, to wanting to show me their resume real quick. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and how deep it was still in him. Yeah. I think it was it was interesting, like, like I was like, well, hey, this guy, he had his number one. Yeah, like, yeah, Never mind, that was number three. Let me tell you about one, one and two first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was still deep in him. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. It is. Because I tell you, the, um, how old are you? 44. Could be 44 soon. It's not that bad. <laughs> but it made me think, like, I think there's a generation that grew up, and maybe there's every generation, I don't know, with a problem with their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like a deep, like, I, I think, because I am, like, you know, grew up in the, the 90s, I don't know if things took a turn. I've had some older clients that, that did support that idea, that they felt things went to hell in the country in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can, uh, like... I had one client that would always go crazy about Reagan economics, like started to kill the, then we have all these parents that don't know shit and this and that. Yeah. And I just felt like, I feel like there's a generation that grew up with a little bit of that grunge angst, you know, mm-hmm. like when the movement came around. I think a lot of people are always thinking the world's going to hell when the reality is it's just changing. Mm. And we don't. You know, it's a shame that humans don't like change because we're so good at it. Like, we're so good at adapting if we just don't resist it. You know, anything that's uncomfortable in your life or any bad thing that's happened, like, in hindsight, how quickly did you adapt? And if you take the, like, stance of learning from it or making something good out of it, like, human beings are very good at adaption, adaptation. 
But it doesn't always mean it's good. We'll survive. It's what you make it. We'll evolve and adapt, but it could take you in a weird direction. Yeah. But I think as far as, you know, people thinking, you know, the world's going to hell, it changes, <laughs> and you can accept that it's changing, and you can accept that probably at our age, and with how quickly things change and innovation curves, you know, something that used to be somewhat steep, the innovation curve just steepens and steepens. It's going to change faster and faster, and, you know, fight it all you want. You might as well embrace it, and, mm -hmm. you know, how can these changes make my life better versus trying desperately to hold on to the way things were. Right. You know, how they were, you know, nobody cares how you want it to stay. It's going to mm -hmm. go how it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Our generation's interesting. We're small, I, and I like generation study stuff, so... Mm -hmm. We're a small generation. We don't have that much influence in the world relative to the baby boomers and the millennials are much larger. Um, so as far as, you know, public policy and, you know, they're just going to drive things a lot more. We're kind of just sandwiched in the middle along for the ride somewhere between the people that grew up with very limited technology and people that grew up with, you know, computers in their hand. Mm -hmm. And we're just kind of that small middle group. And... Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But um, I, I think one thing he said in here, probably my favorite quote of this, the whole book, and it's actually <clears throat> towards the end. I'm just going to see which, what chapter it's in, not that it's that important. But uh, watch out for fucked up thinking and behaviors and be honest when it happens. He's talking about how um, a lot of times he'll just kind of cancel his day. I, I gather that he's probably a little bit more of an introvert. Um, but that he'll just kind of cancel his day, and he says, you know, sometimes I do, and then I'm on my prized couch, TV on, the place I was aiming for, so he's exactly where he wants to be. <laughs> he says, I sit with the same anxiety, lightly bubbling. What is this? What does the feeling want? And he doesn't answer it. He just leaves it open-ended. I think I remember that. Yeah, and to me that was just very um, profound, you know, what are, what are we searching for? What's, especially somebody like him who doesn't have, you know, financial stresses or what, you know, he's still sitting there exactly where he wants to be having that uneasy feeling. And so whether it's, you know, feelings of, the, you know, the darkness stuff or anxiety or depression or whatever it might be, you know, what what's what's the purpose there? Yeah. So... And then he doesn't answer it. He doesn't. He just he just moves on. Yeah, there's a there's a lot to that too. Yeah, like I'm thinking of even as as it ended, I was thinking of my own some stories of that kind of same kind of thing. Like you know, there's mm -hmm. a feeling you're chasing down. Yeah, and you can kind of now what? Well, he talks much earlier in the book about questioning your beliefs, and I know it's something like I've talked to you a lot about, probably not on the podcast, but just the idea of questioning everything you believe you know are the beliefs yours where did you pick them up were they mm -hmm. taught to you are they just society beliefs you believe them um, and I think what I've learned for myself that kind of answers this question is you, and you can tell yourself any story you want you can have any belief you want um, they might as well be beliefs that serve you mm -hmm. or that move you in the direction you want to go so I don't know you know what do these feelings want? I guess ultimately they want whatever you decide to tell yourself they want. You know, if it's depress, depress, depression or sad feelings, um, they're just thoughts and feelings and you can put any story to them you want. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the anxiety. You know, sometimes maybe anxiety is that kick in the butt that, like, you need to handle whatever it is that's making you anxious. And then sometimes if it's just general anxiety, it's, you know, anxiety is expressed in the body through what? Heart rate, elevated, mm. maybe short, you know, quicker breath. breath. Mm. And I think sometimes just sitting down and saying, "Hey, this is just, this is just anxiety." I'm gonna take a few deep breaths, close my eyes for a minute, slow my heart rate down. Mm -hmm. It happens to me often, where I'll have some deep, anxious moments. Is that the same as having anxiety? Yeah, I think so. And uh, I mean, just last night, I was like, kind of having a freak out moment on some things, and then I literally stopped, paused. And became aware that I made it up in my head. Yeah. Like, not the complete scenario. Right. But, like, the... The outcome, maybe, of the yeah, scenario yeah, or whatever. The, the imagination of what may happen tomorrow yeah. or the next day or whatever it is. Like, yeah. everything I'm freaking out about, I just literally made it up. Yeah. There could be something there. 
to make me paranoid about a thing. Mm-hmm. But here and now, I've made it up. Yeah, yeah. I just think the more the more I've dived into being aware of my thoughts and being recognize that I'm in control of all of them. And I only have to think a thought as long as I choose to think it. So if it's causing me to feel depressed or if it's causing me to feel anxious, that's my choice to continue to think that thought or continue to attach that story to that thought to stay in that place. And I just realize that, you know, what's the benefit of staying in that place? There mm-hmm. really is none. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to let go of it, though. It's, I actually think it's super simple. Mm-hmm. I think it's like it anything else. It's like it's super hard until you do it, and then you realize, like, wow, that was so easy. Why did I... Talk me on one. You want, all right, you want to give me an example, or do you want me to, do you want me to go? Uh, you got a heavy one? No, I'm trying to think of something off the top of my head that's recent for me. Because I've gotten to be pretty good at catching myself really fast and not going. There are two. Okay. Coffee break? I don't have a coffee. I'm looking to sip some. There are two. Did you do a refill? <clears throat> two that uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time letting go of. Okay. Clearly. Mm-hmm. And I knew we were going to get here because <clears throat> this is what you texted me about. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. And I think that they, this is common, by the way, what's going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that they, uh, it's hard to let go of blame. Yeah. And you blame yourself. Yeah. Well. Go. Can I just go? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. okay. Um, first off, just I'm gonna tie it to stuff we all talked about. Like you're not that important. Yeah, I tried. And to say there's that, a yeah. lot of scenarios that no matter what you do, you can't affect the outcome of very much. That's the part that's hard to let go of. Yeah. Because my ego <laughs> will not let me think. I couldn't have saved someone. Yeah. So how does that? How does that thought serve you? How does that thought make your life better? See, I'm all psycho where I feel I can argue this. No, it's fine. I have a thought how it might too. (laughs) I could see that thought tying you to staying connected. That thought of the situation, the person. I could see that thought of I could have done something different kind of mean maintaining or, or keeping a connection with the person in the situation. No. no what it okay. does it I'm I'm ready for the next one. Okay. The next person that's in that spot. Yeah. It's gotta be different. Yeah. That's a control thing though. You know, Is it's it? like yeah. See that seems negative and I wanna the, argue the fact that. that it's a control thing seems negative or the fact that it, yeah, control, like, what do you mean? Let's die. Let me, let's, I think I can say okay. it now because it's too vague and it sounds okay. stupid. Uh, I have a friend, had a friend, and I'll clean up the pauses if they're too long, uh, named Ben, who died of an overdose. And then uh, my mom, who died of cancer. <clears throat> yeah. So those are the two that I blame myself for. And uh, we've talked about this before. I just want to get in on this. Yeah. So I think that I'm better to hang on to them because the next bend that comes around. Mm-hmm. I'll say you think you could do things different or change the outcome? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is this too heavy? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to... Like, there, was, there were chapters in here. I'm like, this fit that yeah. problem that I have. Yeah. And those are the two doozies. Yeah. And the book did address it. So I, I, I think it's good to talk about. Cause yeah. If there's one other, I don't know, man, like one other person out there that's like, fuck. Like, yeah. I can feel that. That's, I've got that similar thing. 
I, I think anything I would say would just be my projection of my life experiences over that those situations. So it's pretty inconsequential, other than to just say like you'd have to trust yourself that you, you know, you wouldn't not recognize those situations. It's definitely better, and also as far as the book. He does break down, and that's right, on the day I text you, mm-hmm. he does break down how to walk out of, not literally walk out of, but like walk your brain backwards out of the mm-hmm. pain of being addicted to that thought process. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, even I tried to like look at it like that, was this, you know, talking about freedom, recovery, freedom from our addictions. Mm-hmm. Is this an addictive thought that I have? Or I can't let go because I'm so, so attached to it. You know what I mean? Of... Everything I just said. Yeah. Did you go? I know he has like a specific like step by step process. Started it. Written yeah. process. I, was, yeah. I did not go through it with anything. Um. But I'm just curious if you applied that at all to either of those situations. Well, I think the one started with the writing of everything you resent. Mm-hmm. Um. And then to break it down into the four or five steps that he had off of that. Yeah, like which areas of your life it affected. Yeah, I do. I, I'm actually. I started it. I want to keep going on it. Yeah. Um, it's the writing process of it is very, very helpful to put things again into perspective. Yeah. I, I to me, I, a lot of things in life I see as like a messy table, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at the show of the table as I say it. Like, all these things belong here, somewhere. Mm-hmm. It's like our unconscious or our brain, whatever it is. You just need to put them. Where they belong. Yeah. And you rearrange it to where it all, it's in its proper place. Right, right. And it's yeah. that perspective, it's yeah. that awareness and clarity. Yeah. You know, something along those lines. I mean, those two situations you mentioned specifically are like definitely trauma situations that, like, you know, there, there's, there's ways your brain handles trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think some of them, you know, with things in my life that have been traumatic and people have told me like it takes time, it takes time. It does it just takes time. And I think some things you never completely let go of. You just like you said, you put them in their proper place. You don't let go of them completely. And uh I don't yeah. think and the part where I have some peace with it is like kinda how he starts off. Are you fucked? Did you want to be unfucked? Yeah. The part of it is there's a lot of fuel there, and not in a negative way, because mm-hmm. um, I want to be better mm-hmm. and ready for the next ones. Yeah, but clearly I can't say their names. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think you have to trust that you are. You know, that's a, like trusting yourself that you, and, and also the recognition you can only do so much. Mm-hmm. You know, in some What's the ego regard, thing? you can't save people from themselves. You know, you can love them how they are, and that's about the extent of the extent of it, to some degree. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, like really, what you said is it. Yeah. So that's, an old, that's another little, I'm going to find a book on that then. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if there's a book for everything. I think some of the, some parts of life are just change you forever. And it's then the choice is how, how does it change you? Like, and what stories do you attach to it? And do they become a catalyst for positive change or negative change? Do they hold you back in yeah, life or yeah, propel yeah. you forward? And that's where, again, like that conscious, like, hey, I'm going to change... I'm going to change the story I attach to this situation because the story I'm telling myself isn't helping. It's not making my life better. It's not improving my relationships. It might not be hurting them, but if it's not making better, right? why, you know, it can't be a neutral. You're either going forward or backward. So, I, don't want to, I don't want to talk about me. That's fine. But isn't it like a really weird, ironic thing that I have, given like you've seen the shit that I put on yeah. Facebook and... Yeah. Of all about metabolism, you know, like you, how we started this conversation. Yeah, about yeah, yeah. The thoughts, the every single thing we're around, we absorb it in some way. Yeah. And it triggers a chemical firecracker in our brains to feel X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Whether it's the smell of a room or, you know, it's every sense we have. Yeah. Does something. 
Yeah, and you have to think from like a certain like evolutionary standpoint, it's a protection thing, right? Like it's your your it's brain going on recall to like, hey, this thing is a threat or this thing isn't a threat or it's a this or that. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I know I keep going back to it, but it's just my life's quality is directly related to the stories I tell myself about everything. Yeah, that it does boil down yeah. to that. Can I take a break for a minute? Sure. All right. Okay, spontaneous. Okay. Okay. We're back? Yes. All right. We're going to wrap up with a couple of quotes from the book. Surprise time. Um, <laughs> this one I liked. It says, in justifying our misery, we recommit to it. Hmm. In our break, we just got done. We really talked about that. Yeah. I mean, really. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I said was and my thoughts weren't organized enough when you were talking about your situation because I was really trying to listen, but part of breaking from the past is accepting that some things aren't going to go away, aren't gonna, the cups aren't going to come off the table, they're just going to get reorganized, mm -hmm. um, but also owning it as much as you can. So even if your initial feeling about a situation you went through, you feel like you weren't at fault chances are you did play a role in it um, and the more you can own it and maybe even own more of it than you should find ways to own the parts that may or may not really be yours that has helped me let go of my past a lot and maybe it's because I feel like I have a false sense of control over it or maybe it's because I dug deep and was able to learn from all sorts of things even if it wasn't something that was my fault maybe I created the environment that caused somebody to act away and so what role did I play and how would I do it different next time hmm. Hmm. I like what you said at the end there because everything has cause and effect uh -huh. how important is it to assign percentages of responsibility to relationships to atmospheres to you know what I mean like does it need to happen to clear it and let it go I, what I learned in my life is if I can assign 90% of the responsibility to myself, I'm going to be happier in every situation. So whether it's showing up here and hanging out with you or going out yeah. with another buddy or, you know, seeing family, it, the entire experience is my, uh, it's my responsibility to make it what I want it to be. It's not, you know, it's not your responsibility to show up here and make this a, a, an interesting thing for me. It's my responsibility to make it interesting. Mm, okay. Um, you know, you bring the microphone, so that, <laughs> but we could have the great talk without it. Um, but, you know, my relationship with Shannon, it's my responsibility to make it good. You know, I mean, she has a role to play, but if I take the responsibility of making it healthy, making it good, making it fun, you know, was it this book or Greenlight that talked about that? About how can I say about serving? Okay, about serving? Yeah. This book. He talks a lot about yeah. Yeah. Being of service to others. That's yeah. part of his morning prayers, like how can you know help me see where I can be of service. That's what hit me. Big uh, there are a few things, but that one especially I remember I texted my wife when I when I got into that part. Some thoughts about just that I'm having some thoughts. I mean yeah. I wasn't like trying to like send her like this is what's going to happen when I come home because I was right, out of town right. when I was going through this book. But it was just like, it, that was, it was like a reminder. It's like something you know and you heard and you're like, someone might have said in Japan and I've heard it before. Mm -hmm. But again, the, 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 the way he put it out there was very relatable for me <clears throat> and helped just be more, to just be more mindful of being more selfless. Yeah. I think the mindfulness thing is huge. Like we create our world and the more responsibility we take for what we're creating you know, the more we can drive the boat in the direction we want it to go. Mm. And it's our responsibility to, to make our life what we want. It's not anybody else's responsibility. Mm -hmm. To me, that's super empowering. And I will assign myself as much of that responsibility in every interaction as I can. You know? Yeah. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, it's your responsibility to not let it escalate into something stupid. <laughs> you know, you walk past somebody in a grocery store, it's your responsibility to smile and nod. You know? Is it ever your responsibility to correct behavior out in public? It's not. I'm not correcting anybody else's behavior. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Really absolutely like not, man. No. Absolutely not. Live and let live. Um, the next one I wrote down is, <clears throat> in my nerdy ways, is 
you are your own teacher through a process of admission, honesty, and confession. And I think that ties in with what we just talked about um, with assigning yourself responsibility. You know, it is mm-hmm. nobody else's responsibility to get you where you need to be in life or, or create any part of the life you want it to be. And I'll just transition here in my last one because you're deep in thought. <laughs> um, he says, my twisted system of beliefs <clears throat> brought on by trauma and shame had become the basis of my unconscious program for living. And he talks a lot about using this 12-step process as a conscious system mm-hmm. for structuring your life. And I think that a lot of times, a lot of my life, I just spent going through it without running decisions through the lens of my values and having a clear um, a clear vision for what I wanted my life to be and going in that direction and just letting the right people find me and come along versus trying to pull people along with me. Can you read it again? Yeah. My twisted system of beliefs brought on by trauma and shame had become the basis of my unconscious program for living. How many people can relate to that? I would think everybody. Until you wake up and realize all these things go back to responsibility. Like that is such an all-encompassing statement. Mm -hmm. It's probably not 100%. You know, a Buddhist monk, maybe not be able to relate to that. But yeah. outside of that. Yeah. Well, like you I said mean, earlier, that, that Ed Milet podcast I sent you talks about how many thoughts go through our head every day. They're just on autopilot. Yeah. And if you don't yeah. bring awareness to the thoughts you're thinking, how easy is it to slip into negative thoughts? How easy is it to slip into things that cause you anxiety just because they're just the recurring thoughts that you have? Yeah, every yeah. day. So bringing awareness to it is the escape. Yeah. Or the way out. It's the start of the escape. It's That's intense. Yeah. I'll tell you, um, I wrote down one note yeah. during this. <laughs> See, word, it's catching on. A word, I don't know if he said it or if McConaughey said it, but it's been ringing in my head. Something was said. And the word is uh, surrender. Mm-hmm. I've had, I have this friend at work who, uh, um, he's deeply religious. We talk often um, about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of just helped. I've had a lot of questions. I go to him with figuring things out like along those lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it was mentioned a lot. The, the spirituality of religion was mentioned a lot in the green light. And then I don't know how deep he got into in this. Mm-hmm. But I felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember offhand. Like, was it was it a, a primary topic in this one? Yeah, he talks about just yeah. It's it's part of one of the steps is surrendering to the greater power. I think. Well, there you go. That must be why I was ringing in my yeah, head. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it was really like it's really been. You know, we mentioned being of service to others. Mm-hmm. Like it's all the same thing. And like in thinking of, you know, these between my friend and these books and conversations, like I've, I've felt more of a draw to spend some time in prayer. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that I did four months ago, three months ago even. Yeah. Um, who it's to, what it's for. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's even relevant, but yeah. I've, I've been feeling more of a, like a surrender to the ego. Yeah. Surrender to the idea you had in your head and just mm-hmm. be of service to the atmosphere, to the person, to my wife, to whatever it is. Like really fill in the blank. Like how can I best yeah. serve this moment? Yeah. And it's a, it's a very resetting, refreshing thought of, you know, to give clarity, to give, to be present. Yeah. You mentioned that before, you know. Um, it just handles a lot for you, I think. It yeah. kind of, like, covers a lot of bases, not to be, like, generic about it, but it really did just, like, what's the best I can do right now for the situation to enjoy the moment? Yeah. To in, in, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. Yeah. Like, it's all encapsulating. Surrendering to me really means... <clears throat> letting go of how you think or how I think things should be 
um, letting go of the expectations of other people and what they should do and how they should be mm-hmm. is so freeing. And that, you know, for in my life, a lot of the things that I had to surrender to, like what, what I thought, how I thought the world should be. Because um, the world doesn't care what I think or how I think it should be. <laughs> so, Get over you know, tie it in, man, to getting over yourself and uh, bringing your best self to every moment. Um, when you let go and surrender, you're free to bring your best self into each day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great finish. All right. Good work. Thanks. I faced it, a life wasted. I'm never going back again. Having tasted a life wasted, I'm never going back again. I escaped it, a life wasted, I'm never going.